couple Sundays ago, I preached a message entitled, What If God Really Did Love You? And uh, today I want to address another issue. Um, God bless you, Bill. Amen. That's okay. It's all good. Sneezing is my favorite body function. I'm just jealous you got to do it and not me. Let's answer the question, what if you really are here for a specific reason? What if you're here for a reason? Have you ever noticed how many people there are in the world that have no idea why they're here? You know, it's equally true of believers as well. We can't point to the unbelievers and say, you know, they really have no clue. There are a lot of believers walking around that have no understanding of why they were put on this planet. And I hope today to change at least a small portion of the understanding of that issue of why you are here. And I I say that because I'm not here to, it would be ridiculous and absurd of me to think that somehow I could know and understand God's specific will for every single one of your lives. We're all gifted so differently. And we have things that he's placed in our spirit that others of us do not have. But there are some things that hold true for all of us. And I think if we can get the base of that understanding in our spirit, then the specifics of that understanding will then become revelatory to us as individuals. So, Father, as we look at this thought today, once again, I ask that you would Allow the words that I'm saying to be sent by way of your spirit to the hearts and ears of those that you want it to. And you put whatever spin or twist on it that you need to to speak to their lives. I know that there will be times when I'm speaking that somebody will completely tune me out because they've grabbed a word, a sentence, a thought, and you're dealing with them about that. There will be times that... Uh, you're, you're going to just completely direct a, a, a bomb, as it were, in their spirit. You're going to explode something within them that will all of a sudden cause them to come alive. However you choose to do that, Lord, we understand that you are the one that is the teacher. You lead us and guide us into all truth, and we submit our spirit man to you today to allow that to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. There are four issues of this that I want to look at today in knowing what the will of God or the reason that we are here. Uh, The first one I want to look at is the mission. What is my mission? Uh, In your bulletin, there should be an outline there. Uh, You could follow along and fill in the blanks and a little sheet to doodle on as I'm uh, speaking to you this morning as well. But number one, my mission, to invite people into God's family. Many of the parts of your life mission are unique, but there's one part of your life mission that we'll, we all have in common, and that, that is this one, that as the body of Christ, it's the will of God for us to invite people into this family. Notice I use the word family. Families should have structure. I understand the culture in which we live in today, the family is very, very shattered, marred, blurred and at best, dysfunctional. But that's not the mind and the will of God. 
there is a family structure in Scripture that God holds as a model for us that is to be healthy and affirming and life-giving. And that's the model that I'm looking at today. And God wants all of us to share our testimony, our lifestyle, and our witness. And all of that, in parentheses, should be uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, what he's actually done for us. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. We read, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. The NIV says about God's grace. See, once I become a Christ follower, part of my purpose is to invite people into God's family. Notice I use the phrase or the wording Christ follower, not Christian. I'm finding myself as a preacher of the word, stepping further and further away from the word Christian because in our culture, the word Christian really doesn't have a lot of its intentional intended meaning. We have a lot of people going to church or maybe not even going to church that would call themselves a Christian and have no understanding what it is to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So when I use the phrase Christ follower, to me it has more of a defining sense of meaning to it. And when we come to this Christ following event in our life, we realize that we have purpose And our purpose is to invite other people into the same thing which we have. John 20 and 21 says, As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, so send I you. What is he sending you to do? He's sending you to the the harvest field, which he tells us is great. And that there are many labors that are needed, so that's why he's sending us. So all of us could raise our hand today and say, God, I'm I'm a laborer. Send me. Because that's my mission. Acts 1, 8. And the NIV says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Recently, I heard somebody say, you know, those Pentecostals get all excited about this tongue issue uh, in, in Pentecost when they were all filled with tongues. But really, the evidence of us being filled with the Holy Spirit is having power to go along with that. Tongues for tongue's sake. Paul says tongues don't profit a whole lot unless there's a word of interpretation and then it's a little bit of edification that goes on to you personally. But when the power of God is there, whatever need is there is going to be met by the power of God. And I kind of like that thought and that idea. This verse not only tells us what we're supposed to do, it tells us where we're supposed to do it. Notice it says that first of all, you're to be my witnesses, to witness, give testimony of him. The definition of witnessing is sharing what God has done in my life. I hope today, if you're here, God has done something in your life to change you from the old way of thinking that you had into the new way of thinking. And I trust that that understanding of thinking and that total transformation of a spirit that was living dead if I can use that phrase, has now been born again, is now alive to the thing in which it was created to be, and that is a vessel used by the Heavenly Father. 
So witnessing is not being a theological expert because uh, for many years we've all been afraid to tell someone about this wonderful thing about Jesus Christ because we don't know all the answers and the theology behind it. And I say theology needs to be booted out the window and reality needs to be placed more into our life. I'm not saying we totally disregard theology. There's a place for it. But sometimes we become so theologically correct that we miss the reality of our relationship, if that makes sense to you. On the other hand, when you talk about what God's done in your life, you're a satisfied customer. They say in business, the word of mouth is a great way to advertise. When you do a service for somebody and you give a great product, how many of you have been to a restaurant and you've paid a big bill and only got a small portion on your plate and it didn't really taste very good? When you walk away from that place, you're going, I ain't never going there again. And someone says, hey, I'm going to Billy Bob's for lunch. You say, oh, man, I ate there. It's terrible. I got sick afterwards. They only gave me a stinking little thing like that and I paid twelve ninety-five for it. But then you go to a restaurant where the plate's full, sometimes too much for you to eat. In fact, they, they tell us, um, I was out with Jerry Jacobs from the Fiji, the missionary we had here last week, and he said, Americans eat way too much food. He said, I, I come back to the States, my wife and I always share a meal wherever we go because it's twice as much always than what we would eat in Fiji. And so some of these other countries have smaller portions because... It's healthy, and we Americans love to eat. But we go to those places, don't we? That's why we like Ryan's. We can go back to that big old fat bar as much as we want and eat as much as we want and then be miserable the rest of the day. Come on. We all have done it. You walk away and go, oh, I ate way too much, right? You know, satisfied customers... You know, if God's done something to you or for you in your life and it's really been exciting, then there ought to be a testimony about that to someone else. You're the authority on your life. Nobody else can share that. Nobody else can give your testimony. It's your testimony. God did it for you. And he did something totally different for you than he'll did, he did and will do for me. Because we're all individuals. We're all created just a little uniquely, Right? Aren't you glad you're not like the person beside you? That was a trick question. Could get some of you in trouble there. (laughs) Then he goes on to say where we should do this. He talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We all know that that's, you know, right where we live, our workplace, our community. Can I just be... You know, I go into restaurants, and if I see a bunch of people I don't know, it bothers me. I just want to know who people are. In my mind, people are just friends I haven't met yet. Some of you are a little, little more backward, a little, you know, uh, melancholy, and so you go into place, heads down, you know, you don't want anybody to bother you, you just want to go in, do your thing, and get out. I'm like, hey, hey, everybody, I'm here, I want to meet you, you know? And my wife's constantly saying, Joe, Joe, let's just, just, <laughs> let's just go. But I want my Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to be wherever I'm at. Whether it's on the other side of the world or right here in Chambersburg, I want to be a voice for Jesus Christ. Can we just boil it down to that? That's really what he's saying. He's not saying specifically you need to go to Jerusalem. Because that kind of discounts all of us, doesn't it? 
But where we, li- we live, where we're at, we should be sharing the love of God. And then secondly, the message. We have the mission and then the message. The message is good news. It's what I'm supposed to share. What I should be delighted in sharing. Here's your message in two words. Good news. When I was a little kid, we used to sing a song, and uh, it went something like this. Good news, good news. Heads are shaking. You remember that song? Christ died for me. Good news, good news. If I believe, good news, good news. I'm saved eternally. That's wonderful, extra good news. And when I was just a little boy, blonde hair, in my dad's church in Massachusetts, Garden of Massachusetts, I can see myself walking down the aisle right there, and I had a newspaper bag hanging over my, and I had a paper, and I came in singing that song during one kind of little kid thing we did, and I'm like, good news, good news, and then I just started singing, good news, good news. Anyway, (laughs) you're not nearly as impressed as I thought you might be. Do you like to share good news? Some of you like to share bad news. But do you like to share good news? It is so much freer to share good news than it is bad news. Because when you share bad news, you're always hoping whoever you shared the bad news about doesn't find out that you shared the bad news about them. But when you share good news, hey, it's a clear conscience. You can say it and just blurt it out there. Guess what happened? It's awesome. Good news. Most people like to share good news. I know what you're thinking right now. The people I work with, my friends, some of the people I know, they're not interested in the good news. And I say to you, I don't believe that's true. I don't think they're interested in your religion But I do think that they're interested in the good news that you have experienced in your spirit. And those are two totally different things. How many know where I'm going with that? See, going to church and doing a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations, I'm not up for that either. I don't need chains and balls around my spirit. I don't know about you. But when you come to Christ, he says there's freedom there. And Unfortunately, as the church, I'm not specifically speaking of this one, but the church as a whole, we have reduced this life-giving good news to a set of do's and don'ts and regulations and musts and must-nots that we've just strangled the life out of the good news where it's just a blank of dead uh, documents that mean absolutely nothing to anybody. And there's a world that needs to know that Jesus Christ can take a spirit of a man which is wicked and carnal and sinful and he can change that thing to that they begin to see life in a totally different way. Their eyes come open, their spirit's alive and they begin to operate under the righteous rule of God. We start to see things the way God intended them to be. And I want to tell you when an individual comes to that point, it is good news. Romans 1.17, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish simply by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that righteous person, a righteous person has life. So it's not by being perfect. 
And it's not by never sinning, because if that was the case, none of us would be in this thing. Amen? You know, I'm standing before you as a sinner saved by grace who continues to need grace and the mercy of God and this wonderful gift of repentance that he's given to us as a church and as the body of Christ. Anybody there with me? So if, it was, if we all had to be perfect and not sin, it would be a bad deal. And I'm not keeping a bunch of ceremonies or trusting in myself. The good news is I can just rest in what he's already done for me and that the scripture says he takes my sin and removes them from me as far as the east is from the west. That's good news. Amen? The benefits of this good news. See, when I begin to trust Christ and start to follow him, there are three incredible benefits that come along with it. Number one, there's forgiveness of the past. Some of you have a past. In fact, all of us have a past. Say that, I have a past. And some of our pasts are not real pretty. Some of them are uglier than others, but some of them are really ugly. But in God's eyes, they're all ugly. See, we've kind of, in a human standard, we've said, oh, well, that sin's really bad. And, well, this one's not so bad. It's okay to lie a little bit if it's, you know, it's not hurting anybody. We put little twists on it. But God says, uh-uh-uh-uh. Sin is sin. Black is black. I mean, how black do you want it to get? If it's black, it's black. Sin is sin. And when we come to Christ, Christ promises to just take all of the past, no matter how ugly you may feel it is. And some people come to Christ and they say, oh, God, you don't understand how bad I've been. He says, oh, yeah? I know better than you do how bad you've been. But when you get to that point, God says to you, I want you to know that I'm wiping away everything from the past and it is completely gone. I mean, you name the worst of the worst. It's not surprising to God. He takes it and gone, wiped away, clean. That's good news, folks. There's not one of us in here that can bat a thousand. What do I wish I could? Can't. God comes alongside and says to us, when you trust my son Jesus Christ with your life, I'll take that, that movie of your past. Imagine if our past, if we could just go down the road, we start with Bill here, and just we put Bill's life up on the screen from, uh, let's start in the teen years because that's where it starts getting good, Bill. And we, we go up through his military years and, you know, and we just see everything that Bill's done on the screen. And we're all going, oh, ooh, and Bill is just beat red. He's embarrassed to death. And then we go to Sandy. And we do the same. And we go throughout the whole congregation. You know what? That would be pretty bad for all of us, wouldn't it? Anybody there with me? I wouldn't want my life put up there. But God has seen all of that. And so he goes back and takes the, there's no replays. There's no replays for your past. He takes up the tape and he rips it up, burns it up, gets rid of it. Gone. Never to be brought up again. If it gets brought up, it's because you brought it up, not because of him. He promises to do that. And then the second thing is he gives purpose for my present. This benefit is the purpose for my present. God has created you for a purpose. You're not an accident. 
even though some of you have been told that in your life. But you're never going to know God's purpose for your life until you first get to know who God is and get to know Him as a Savior. And when you get to know God, you're going to know who you are because it's when you're spirit man, which is really who we are. It's the part we don't ever see and very rarely address in the natural before we come to Christ. But it's that part of us that God wants to completely change. It's the hidden you, if you will. And people say, there's something missing in my life. You hear it all the time. You know, I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. I just can't seem to ever get ahead. I just keep failing. And, you know, I don't want to do all these bad things, but I can't help it. And you're right, you can't, because that's all that a natural man knows how to do is sinful things. You know, for a believer to look at the world, a sinner, and wag their finger, oh, you wicked sinner, you terrible person, that's dumb. It's like telling a dog not to be a dog or a snowflake not to be a snowflake. No intention in either analogies. It's just we can't tell something that it is that it's dumb to be what they are. A sinner is a sinner, and a sinner doesn't know any better than to just continue to sin. So isn't it kind of foolish of us as believers who have come from that to wag our finger at them and saying, you terrible sinner, you're going to hell? You know what? Most, most unbelievers know they're going to hell. And they don't care. Because an uh, unbeliever, the natural man, doesn't care. Because they have no understanding of the reality. And let me phrase it to you this way. If I take you to a fine restaurant and I give you a filet mignon done by one of the finest chefs where you slice it with a knife and it's just got a little pink in there and you put it in your mouth and you begin to chew it and it's melting in your mouth and the flavor is just effervescent. It's just erupting with flavor in your mouth and you, oh, this is the best steak I ever had. And then you go to Burger King and you feed somebody a Whopper. And they're saying, wow, this is the best beef I've ever had. It's because they haven't tasted the filet mignon. Right? It's the two differences. The world only knows about the Whopper. The believers know about the filet mignon. And listen to me. When you taste the filet mignon, it's hard to go to Burger King. And as believers, we get to the place where, that's, that's why the scripture says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What's he referring to? The goodness of God. Once you've come to Christ, you've experienced this goodness so much that you know what it looks like, you know what it sounds like, you know what it feels like, and there's a lot going on in Christianity that's not filet mignon, it's artificial junk. And God's about to draw a line with what we call church people. He's sick of the foolishness that goes on in the name of God. And we're resisting and pushing people away from the very good news that he's given us to dispense as filet mignon to a world that would love to taste it if they only had the opportunity. Thirdly, a home for my future. God says I'll give you an eternal home. I'm not so concerned about where I live in eternity. 
The songwriter Iris Danfield says, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I don't truthfully care what I have when I get to eternity. Because in that culture, it will be so radically different than the culture you and I know that's physical. That just being in the culture of the spirit of heaven will be mind-blowing for all of us. Don't give me a picket fence because I won't care if I get a picket fence. Jesus is there. Complete righteous rule is there. I think we're going to spend all of eternity just kind of walking around going, wow, wow, wow. Now, I really won't be that way because I know that we, the Scripture tells us that we're going to be ruling and reigning as kings and priests with him over the nations of the world. But I've got a feeling when we get into that realm, it's going to be pretty fantastic for us. And that's what God promises us. And by the way, the ticket to get there is Jesus Christ. I don't have to force it. I don't have to manipulate it. I don't have to be really good to get there. I just simply trust in what Jesus Christ already did. When I get to the gate, God's going to say, hey, you got the ticket? And I'm going to say, yes, his name is Jesus Christ. Come on in. If I get there and say, yes, I was a good singer. I led worship. I went to church a lot. I gave money to the poor. See, this is going to be a rejection process. The scripture says many will come in that day saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do this or that? It's not about what you do or don't. It's who you are. Catch that. You either are a Christian or you are not. You either are a Christ follower or you are not. And the only thing I can base that on is if I have decided to accept what Jesus Christ did when he personally died on the cross for my ugly black sin and changed that ugly black sin to something white as snow, as the scripture would say, and wool. And I rest completely in that. Nothing that I have to offer or abilities of my own do I have to offer and put in that formula. Simply what Jesus Christ did for me. So we talked about the mission, the message. The third thing is the motive. What is our motive behind this? What's the motive for being here? The motive is love for Jesus and other people. Do you love people? If you love Jesus, catch this, if you really love Jesus, not just this love Jesus, but if you really love Jesus, he said, if you don't love the person that you can see, don't you dare say that you love me, whom you can't see. Ouch. Touche. He says, if you can't love the physical, the people that you see around you, don't go telling people you love me because my whole purpose for coming to this earth was love. And if I love Christ, see, we know that we love Christ in that we are doing the will of Christ because we have taken on the nature of the Father. I know I love him when love is in me. I know I have really truly become a Christ follower when love is in me. If I simply try to love out of the natural, it's very cumbersome. If I love in the spirit because that's what's in my spirit, it's life flowing and easy and free to love people. 
It really is. And I think when we finally learn to love enough, we're going to see our friends and know that they need to hear the good news. And it will be a very smooth transition for us to be able to share the good news with them. Let me ask this question before we move on. Is there going to be anybody in heaven because of you? By that I mean not because of what you did for them. Obviously, Jesus Christ is the reason we all get to heaven. But is there going to be anybody in heaven because you shared the good news? That's a disheartening question for many of us. Will there be anybody in heaven because I shared the good news? And lastly, the method. We're to show it and to share it. My wife does a little thing in kindergarten. It's kind of show and tell. They bring in a little something and they have it in a bag first so you can't see it and they play a little game and there's, I don't know, 20 questions or whatever and everybody asks a question. Is it purple? Is it alive? Does it have legs? Does it have wings? Does it eat? And by all these questions, they're trying to figure out what it is in the bag. And they either guess it or don't. And then the little kindergartner takes it out. And he says, this is my Buzz Lightyear. Watch. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. And, you know, it does all the, all the weird things. And so they get to show and to tell. It really isn't much different than that when we're talking about this wonderful good news. Show it, tell it, live it out, live it out. And, and let me go just on the edge of everything I've been talking about here this morning. I think if we did more living it out, that we wouldn't have to worry about finding someone and frustrating ourselves with jamming it down somebody's throat because they will see it in our lives and that's not an excuse for us not to use our tongue. I'm just saying that there would be more people coming to us and saying, you smell like filet mignon, why? And you can say, you smell like a whopper. <laughs> no, but you could, they, they'll say to you, you smell like filet mignon, why is that? Because the aroma of Christ is in your life. Let me tell you about some good news. I used to be a big macker, but now I'm a filet mignoner. And this is how I got there. It should be that natural of a flow. People, you've heard this phrase before, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Colossians 3.17 in the message translation or paraphrase, it reads this. Let every detail of your lives, words, action, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus. Thanking God, the Father, every step of the way. Let everything be done in that way. Romans 10, 14 and 15 as the musicians make their way back. How can they call on him, meaning God, it's a capital H, in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him, God? 
And how can they believe without hearing about God? And how can they hear without a preacher? That's not me, by the way. The guy behind the pulpit. When you come to Christ, you become a preacher. The word simply means to proclaim or tell the good news. How can they hear unless there's a good news teller? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how welcome are the feet of those who announced the gospel of good things? You understand, when you, as a believer, Christ follower, step into a place, you are bringing the very presence of God into that setting. And there ought to be something in the context of your life, the aroma of your life, the very presence of your life, ought to speak something life-giving in any context you go in. I don't care if it's a bar, a grocery store, or where. It ought to bring life to where you bring it. Didn't Jesus have to tell people how to repent and be saved? But they came to him because of the aroma in his life. He loved being around people. Let me share just a... Now I'll save that for another time. The fact of the matter is, God has created us for this purpose. To bring more children into the family. He said, unless they become like children, they should not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying for those that are mature in Christ to become little kids again. What he's saying is, the first phase into this is to become childlike. Accepting it for what it is. That's what faith is. We just have to accept it for what it is. Unless I receive Jesus, I can't do it. As we mature, we become sons and then fathers in the kingdom. But the first step is being children. God has given each of us this wonderful gift of purpose. And the sooner we accept the gift, the sooner our lives will begin to take on the meaning and the fulfillment God has planned for us. I want to ask the question this morning, first of all, before our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How many of you in here today have never accepted Jesus Christ as this personal Savior? You've never, if we can keep it in today's terms, you've never tasted the spiritual filet mignon. That even sounds good coming off your tongue, doesn't it? Filet mignon. And you're still walking in the natural and you're wondering why life has been so hard and you've been beat up and it's just been difficult for you. Today I want to take you from Burger King to God's fine dining. And I just want to ask you the question, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as a, a personal Savior? Understand that He's the only one who can take your spirit man as it is, the condition it's in, and change it. The scripture call, uses the phrase being born again. 
There's a metamorphosis that takes place where that, that butterfly that's in the cocoon, all of a sudden it breaks open and becomes this beautiful butterfly. In essence, that's what happens to your spirit man when you come to Christ. He takes you out of that cocoon of selfishness and self-centeredness and he begins to give you life and your wings are able to flutter and you begin to go places and do things that that little caterpillar would have never dreamed of doing. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I want to give you that privilege and that honor today. With every head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, maybe there's somebody here today that would just say, you know, Pastor, I don't think I've ever done that. But I'd like to do it today. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to slip a hand up. And you're slipping your hand up, I want you to know that you're not joining the church I'm not about you joining this church. I'm about you joining the family of God. If you choose to be part of this church, well, that's just, uh, you know, between you and God. But what's important to me is that you become part of the family of God. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, but something that I said today somehow made sense, would you just slip your hand up so I can recognize who you are? Yeah. Are there any others here today that would say, yeah, I need to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior? Thank you for that hand. There are others. You say, I just never made that step, and I know I need to. I know I've know I got to get out of this life I'm in. I know there's got to be something better than this. I want to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. Is that you here today? Let's pray this prayer together. Dear God, I need all you to help me here. Dear God, I come to you today as a sinner. And I recognize that Jesus died for me. I've made a mess of my life. I want my spirit to be born again. Change me from the inside out. I've been trying to change myself from the outside in. Today I want to do it your way, God. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Change who I am to who you want me to be. I recognize you as Lord and the ruler of my life. And I submit to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you have never prayed a prayer like that before, the scripture says if we just confess that we're sinners and that we need a Savior, Jesus Christ, it cleanses us from all unrighteousness.